Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to AWAM. Anime was a mistake. I'm your host, Andrew, and with me, as always, is my lovely co-host, Tim. Hello, everybody. It's me, Tim. You know, I'm, I'm trying something new this week. You really are lovely, Tim, and I'm glad to be oh, doing this you. with you. Uh, you know, maybe we could use some, some more positivity. I know I like to make some jokes at your expense, but, you know, you're absolutely lovely, too. Inside and Aww. out. But so the first thing we want to do is talk about the new format that we're doing for this episode, and it's the first episode, and it's basically going back to how we started the podcast, which was watching less per week, so we could talk more, and people had to watch less to keep up. Got it? We're just doing two episodes, so now it'll be a lot easier to watch along with us if you'd like to do that. Yeah. Basically, the goal is we're going to watch two episodes a week, maybe three sometimes, depending on time constraints, that kind of thing, but... We're trying to keep it under two hours of work to do to get caught up to listen to the podcast. Yeah, and in case you're worried about us never doing any long series again, don't worry, we have you there too. We are planning on doing whole arcs of a show in just a single episode where we will give the audience plenty of forewarning in case you do want to watch that as well. Yeah, like minimum a month of time to get through that. But that's in the future. But right now, Tim, have you watched anything this week? I have nothing new, so I've continued with Korra, which I still like. I think a lot of the pacing issues are starting to iron themselves out as I get further into the show, but I don't have anything radically new to say about it. Korra's good, but yeah, I don't often have things to say about it. Yeah, I mean, I've also continued watching ReZero. Probably not going to have anything that I really want to say until until it finishes up with this season, but I'm still enjoying that, so I'll put that out there. Nice. How about you? So I we talked uh, briefly about how I continued watching Hunter x Hunter. And today we're recording on a momentous day. Oh. As we're recording is the 1st of September, a.k.a. when all the characters reconvene in York, New City. <laughs> oh, man. Is that right after the training arc? After Heaven's Arena, yeah. Okay. So I am about midway through the Chimera Ant arc. And I gotta say, really enjoying that arc so far. But I also, like, I've heard people talk about the York New City arc, the Chimera Ant arc, as both both of them being some of the best shonen arcs, period. At least 
when it comes to York New City. I love that arc. It's so good. It truly is the moment when I went, ooh, this show is something special. It is a really good show. I have not gotten as far into it as I kind of wish. So I don't know, maybe maybe I'll pick that up again soon. It's been a lot of fun. I, I do have to say the Greed Island arc really... uh. I really don't like Izakay that are very gameplay based and the Greed Island arc is all about collecting cards in a virtual world. <laughs> and, uh. and the biggest thing is just you have to read the card descriptions very quickly and I do not like it. If I've learned anything about card games in anime, it's that the rules don't actually matter, Andrew. I know, so but I, I want to think... know what the card is. I'm interested. But yeah, Greed Island arc was was rough to get through. <laughs> Still, the overall series, having so much fun, so much fun with it. And I really am getting why people love this show so much. Also, it didn't occur to me until like a day or two ago that this is by the same person who did Yu Yu Hakusho. You know, I feel like I heard that and then proceeded to forget it. So it's exactly. almost like a new fact to me again. Also, that dude is married to the person who wrote Sailor Moon. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. That's actually, that's kind of, I mean, I guess when you run in the same circles, that's not necessarily a rare thing, but it's still kind of like. I mean, that's, that's a power a, couple if I've ever heard of one. Yeah. I mean, if they have kids, that's a hell of a pedigree. Yeah. <laughs> Probably going to want nothing to do with manga. Nothing at all. They absolutely hate anime and manga and all all of it. Cartoons are for kids. Yes. Like us. Yes. I mean, that's why we do this is to keep our keep ourselves youthful. Yes. Stay young forever. So I know it's early, but after the podcast, if you want to let us know how you like this format, we would love to hear what your thoughts are. I'm at Andrew Sisson. Tim is at Gimme Those Boots. AWAM underscore POD is where you can find the podcast feed on both Instagram and Twitter. And of course, everything, especially like our maybe new schedule that we've updated. You can find that at AWAM.pizza as well as all of our shows, social pretty much everything. Also, we are starting up our stream again. That is going to be more us taking what we do in the podcast, but applying that to games. And we're starting it out with Final Fantasy VII Remake. That'll be a lot of fun. It'll be a little bit more relaxed, but similar vibe. Uh, and that is starting on the 17th of September. At what time, Tim? Well, I, I got to say what time, Andrew? <laughs> 5 uh. p.m. EST. But just uh, that is, we should say at the moment, that that could change. Well, yeah. That's, yeah. For, you know, I have another job besides podcast. Yeah, you guys that, ain't paying us enough. Yeah, you ain't paying us enough for that. But if you would like to pay us uh, in not money, you could pay us in like stars and subscription. For some, yeah, subscribes. Subscriptions. Yeah, we've gone too far. Okay, let's talk about Black Lagoon. So... I want to start out with some of the interesting stuff I found looking up Black Lagoon. So first of all, I want to say never watch this. I know vaguely that it's about there. there's a, a girl with guns. That's about all I know about Black Lagoon going into this. But so I looked some stuff up. I'm going to absolutely butcher this name. And I'm so sorry. Riai Hiri is, is the mangaka who wrote it. And I they've basically done this and this. Which I find oh, super interesting. Oh, that's absolutely accurate. And I don't believe that the manga has technically even finished up. At least last time I looked into it, which was not before the podcast, actually. Yeah, I, I believe it's still going on. Yeah. So we're talking about the first season. Uh, it aired from April to June in 2006. 
and it looks like it when you watch it. That's not a bad thing, but it looks like it. And I found you can tell it, it's a bit older. Yeah, but I found it really interesting, the inspirations that they gave. So it's James Elroy, John Woo, Quentin Tarantino, Stephen King, mixed with hearing stories about actual piracy in the South China Sea in the 1990s. Mm. And if I had to explain the vibe that I got from these two episodes, basically that. I mean, yeah, that is pretty spot on. I mean, we haven't quite hit any Stephen King, but I believe it. I mean, maybe a little bit of Dark Tower. Like, you gotta... There are some Western vibes in there, but mixed in with plenty of other genres. Yeah. So maybe I I will say uh, so my history with this show is it's been a few years, but I've watched both seasons and the OVAs, which I believe is called uh, Alberta's Blood Trail. Something like that. It's been a a little while, but I thoroughly enjoyed it a number of years ago. So it is nice to come back. Yeah. So I want to say two things first. One, I hate how on Hulu Funimation watermarks the whole show. Mm. It just annoys me. And like, look, look, I'm giving you money to watch this. Don't watermark it. Oh, just don't do it. It's And it's like one of those ones that I find it catches the eye. It's not even like a good watermark that like disappears-ish. It just really bothers me. Yeah. And also, the opening has a real vibe to it. The opening is a complete mess, but I also do think it is kind of fun. Yeah, like it's, it's the vibe I'm getting from this show, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but this show feels a lot more like it's going to be a style over substance show. Now, I'm not sure that that's the case, and I don't mean that in a pejorative sense, but this show feels like one where they went, yeah, but what about the style? I will definitely say it does lean heavy on style. I do think I, I recall there being some real good character stuff, you know, as you get further into it, but I yeah. wouldn't necessarily say it's a very plot like it's not very plot driven. Yeah, and that's like totally okay. I'm not you know, yeah, again, like I don't mean that as a, a bad thing. It's just kinda knowing what you're getting into. For the record about the the opening like if you actually look at the lyrics so it's all sung in english by people who are almost certainly not fluent english speakers yes and also the lyrics themselves look like they were translated with just google translate and that i was, was gonna say a crayon but yes like just a a single like quick translation using like a japanese word to english word dictionary sort of thing it, it is nonsensical but the, the actual sound they have going in it, I, I think is a pretty interesting, like very, very kind of crunchy, dirty sound that I think fits pretty well. Yeah. And oh, actually bringing that up, that reminded me. So interesting thing to note, and this is just like a weird esoteric thing, but the characters are canonically speaking English. Hmm. But they speak in Japanese for ease of, you know, kind of like how you're you're watching a period piece in France and they're speaking English. Well, I mean, there is the dub. I went almost personally, I went almost immediately for the, the sub. I actually do have some nostalgia for the, the dub of this show, but actually going back to it, it's like, nah, I don't think I want to put up with that for too long. Honestly, it's one of the ones where I looked at when it came out and what it looked like. And I went, mm, odds are high that this is not good. Some of I think... It's back and forth. Like, I think some of the people do quite a good job on the dub, but it's not all around, like, good enough for me that, like, I'd rather, it's like, okay, at least with the Japanese, I can't necessarily always tell the quality of the voice acting, so that kind of works. Yeah. Yeah. So did you watch the sub as well then? Yeah, I watched exclusively the sub. I thought about checking out the dub, but then went, eh. Uh, You might as well, eventually. 
you know, put it on for yeah, a Yeah, I'm sure while. I'm sure I'll I'll especially now, out of curiosity, I will check it out. I mean it's not slam dunk bad. Well, what is? I mean, other anime from that period? Yes. Uh, so one quick thing I want to talk about that I noticed with Dutch. I am really curious. Okay, there's a lot of circumstantial stuff to say that Dutch is based on Carl Weathers' character from Predator mixed with Schwarzenegger. I guess that is possible. Because Dutch has a lot of Carl Weathers in Predator vibes. Named Dutch, which is Schwarzenegger's character name. And they're shown kind of like they have a connection to Vietnam. Yeah. Which Dylan is a vet from Vietnam, from the Vietnam War. I don't actually remember what his backstory is because, I mean, I watched this a while ago. But it it does seem like he might have fought in Vietnam and then stayed. Yeah. He's just one of those things where, like, feels like this might be a weird homage. And it wasn't distracting. Least, it was just, um, I, you know, I had the idea and then yeah. let go. But I mean, at the very least, I, I'd say there's a good chance that there's some inspiration going on there. You know, like you, you see somebody's kind of aesthetic of a character in, in those movies and go, ah, that's what I want. Yeah. Uh, but but so to, to kind of get into the meat, we start with a salaryman, a Japanese salaryman, and we basically get to watch all the pent up societal anger from him be released in what, six hours? Two yeah. Well, yeah, in show. Yeah. And I thought it was a super good way to start the show. I dev- I really liked the juxtap- like juxtaposition they were drawing up between yeah, the salary man life and Which you assume this- to the audience is something that's super relatable and they don't spend time explaining it because you know what this is. You know yeah. these and- these annoyances and frustrations. Yeah. Well, even though like there are definite cultural differences, I feel like it's still something that would resonate with an american audience oh absolutely still, yeah look we're not that far away from from that cult that work culture like cousins yeah, yeah contrasting that with like you know this outlaw lifestyle i i thought they did such a good job of showing both of those yeah and it's like it lets them get a really hot start too because yeah. they're just like hey i'm a salary man went to school did what i was supposed to and oh i just gotta suffer through this become management then i won't have to suffer through this uh and then the dude Rokuro okajima is abducted while trying to deliver this disc and they just cut i love the the like almost well i bet you're wondering how i got here type (laughs) you know they don't they don't front load that but it has that same vibe of just so here's how i got to this sticky situation yeah i thought it i thought it was a real good intro i thought they made rokuro despite being you know a salary man which is not necessarily you, you would think like most shows they'd end up being kind of the the straight man of the group and just sort of boring to contrast the more eccentric characters i don't think that's necessarily the case though he definitely isn't the wildest of the bunch i kind of think that and i could be wrong but i think well let's start he gets dubbed rock very quickly so we're just gonna call him rock yeah let's just call him i kind of think he's kind of the audience stand-in of the group i think there's actually well part of this is things i remember but there's a lot more I remember to his character, but there was also a few things in these two episodes I noticed. One of them being, well, the main one, I suppose, being kind of like his own insightfulness on it, like himself, where there's a short scene where a, a you know someone in management is shown yelling at people and basically abusing them. And he's like, it sucks, like admitting to himself 
already that he's like, yeah, I'm probably going to be that type of person too. And but al- and also the one where he's thinking to himself like, oh, this might be Stockholm Syndrome. You know, I really like this Dutch guy. Oh, totally. Like I, that sort of self-reflection, like I, I think starts painting the character you're going to see evolving throughout the show. Oh, yeah. I'm just saying like, like he's the entry point to the series. And also, I think he's a bit of, this is kind of a weird way to put it, but he's the Stone Cold Steve Austin. Who doesn't want to beat up their boss who was an asshole to them? You know what I mean? It's that kind of a universal appeal. Everyone's had a shitty boss that they couldn't do anything about. Yeah. Lagoon Company, which is Dutch, Revy, and Benny. Dutch is big, burly, black dude who drives the boat and seems to be kind of the level-headed leader. Yeah. Revy, who is the hurt people person and a hothead, and Benny, who's tech. And, you know, obviously then, look, spoiler, Rock ends up going with yeah, him. Yeah, I mean, by the end of episode two, so. Yeah. Yeah. But he's originally just carelessly taken as a hostage while they take this data disc, which he doesn't even know what's on it. I mean, it is kind of fun when you find out what is on it. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, oh, damn. Absolutely. Yeah. And also, I really like early on in the when they're telling the higher management that one of their employees was kidnapped in the in one of the office scenes. There's a photo of just a big industrial dump truck. <laughs> like it's an empty frame. It's just like at a work site. And it's just like prominently center of the frame. Just a big like caterpillar dump truck good stuff and it's just like one of those things where like they're like what's this company do what do they have out they're like eh, i don't know some eh, something constructiony they're like all right putting a dump truck also so eventually they then go and stop at do we even do we ever find out what city they stop at or is it just somewhere in the south china sea Roanapur? i believe Roanapur is the name of like the main city that the okay that the the whole series takes place in which actually i'd love to just talk about the setting for a little bit oh yeah that's kind of where i was going like just cutting whenever they they stop there to get a drink and they pan over like club heart and it just had like very real minus the tech it had that very real like cyberpunk feel like it felt very um like the way the camera moved and the way it was composed felt very um like ghost in the shelly and like blade runnery if we're talking about the setting quick question i don't know if you looked it up i didn't do you know what like, is there a canonical time frame that this is taking place in? Uh, that is a good question. I do not know. Like, it's not modern day. You don't see cell phones. Uh, I feel early like to mid-1990s. So it seems to be like that the mangaka saw that this stuff was happening in the South China Sea in the 90s and then set it in that time, which would make sense for the stuff that we saw. Yeah. All like, right. tech-wise. Also, uh, later on, we hear a great modem sound. <laughs> <laughs> we do get that that old dial-up uh sounds yeah that was fun also yeah. did japan have a lot of like zip disc type stuff where it was clear and there was a disc like i see this all t- all the time in anime it's not a disc it's a disc that's like in a hard like floppy type container well, i mean even floppy discs do it's not just in the name there is a disc in them 
Yeah, but I'm not familiar with like basically like CD discs. Be like I, I'm not familiar with that as like a standard. Like a optical sort of disc, as opposed to I think the ones in, magnetic. Yeah, the ones with floppy disks are like magnetic. Yeah, because you see this oftentimes in anime. It looks like an optical disc in a like a jewel case, but it has like the metal piece, which is obviously like the tab like in a floppy disk. Like, did those exist? Like, were were they like proto UMDs? I'm gonna go with probably on that one but it's gonna have to wait until next week because i'm not i'm not going on that like down that rabbit hole looking for it right now (laughs) it's very true Uh, okay so the show's kind of based around piracy but at the same time genre wise doesn't really feel so much at least to me like pirate fiction as it does like a mix between gangster movies and wild west sort of oh absolutely absolutely like this is not a pirate show no i mean it technically is but genre wise nah, not really yeah i I would say it definitely has like a western feel to me more than anything else but yeah it's it's weird how they i never viewed it as a pirate thing like until they said that they were pirates i didn't even think of pirates i mean i did but i suppose a lot of people with pirates they think about what i think it's often called just the golden age of piracy as opposed to anything modern, you know, just because you have a boat and you well, see, I was just thinking, I was thinking of them as mob before pirates. Mm-hmm. Like that's the I put the connection to mob before I put it to pirate. If that like that's more what I'm getting at. That's fair, and I mean we do have lots of mafia stuff, which I know is kind of one of the things I remember you know being fun about the setting is so you do have some sort of you know a kind of like lawless feel where the black lagoon is pretty much free to go and do whatever well it's like that that town kind of feels like um oh what's the classic pirate town tortuga Tortuga. Uh, it has a real feel of that yeah but then you like once you when you get into stories that are more centered in the city itself you get more of the conflicts between the big gangs oh i can't wait which, which is it's really neat that it's it's two flavors that go together super well, but at the same time, being able to either blend them or move from one to the other, especially with longer series. It's impressive. Feel, it really like it really helps and it works really well. And one thing that kind of sets it apart is the way how you're talking about the blending of genres. They use the kind of Western feel to really make the star be where is the Black Lagoon in this world? You know how mm. Westerns are like, let's talk a classic like Man With No Name, you know, maybe Fistful of Dollars. You have this person who is finding their place within the existing power structures and yeah. a lot of the interest and conflict comes from that traversal of the power structures. And that's like front and center. No, that's that's absolutely present in this. Something more direct, though, with Westerns. It's, it's second episode. We, we do have like what is essentially you know, like a standoff sort of dole. But instead of two gunmen, it's a helicopter and a boat. Yeah, I have so much to say about that when we get to it. <laughs> but so back to the town. I do really like the idea of this bar. Like, it was started by soldiers from the losing faction of the Vietnam War, and it basically escalated and became the bar where everyone has a gun on their on their table. And I, little facts like, oh, yeah, like, let's call out that the actual bar itself is bulletproofed. Well, yeah. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, that, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And the bar, the, the shootout scene that is... Well, I won't say our introduction to our bar, to the bar, but right after our introduction to it. I mean, it's a part um, of, I would say. Yeah. Oh, the animation for that, I thought, 
Like so much of it was just it's so very good. fluid, very good, and there were some small, very smart decisions. Do we want to talk about like what happened before that, or we want to get into that now? Uh, let's talk about that now. Uh, one of the first okay. things I want to talk about is how you're talking about the bulletproofing. They add very well these little hints of the characters' histories within this world. Because they talk to the bartender about, oh, this is bulletproofed now? Basically, yeah. just letting you have that little bit of, oh, they've been here. They're, they know the dude. This is a change. This has happened before. Yeah. It's like that's the stuff that really I found layered throughout these two episodes to make you feel like this group had been around for a while and then Rock is being put into this already really established group, which was a lot of fun. But then then you get to the actual fighting. So something I wanted to call out, just a tiny detail that I thought was really smart, really neat. So what, the Mercs roll up, they throw a grenade in, and then just start hosing down the entire place with automatic fire. Yes. And the Black Lagoon gang is behind the bar or hiding. They're all alive, but out of view. And so it's Revy's turn to do what Revy does, which is kill people. Lots of people. But she stays behind the bar and waits until they like somebody else fires a gun to pick off any stragglers that's when she jumps up and starts shooting them after you know they're already kind of expecting gunfire from themselves yeah that was just a tiny detail but like i thought it's like oh that's that's smart well it's it's the thing of i'm going to contrast this so i watched the was it the old guard on netflix that just came out and it's about like basically people who can't really die and they're like old soldiers basically highlander no they're more like in it together okay but you don't, you get that Revy is really good, but she's not stupid. She's not invincible. She's not yeah. so much better than everyone. I mean, she's very good to be able to do the things that she does, but she's not untouchable. Whereas in like the old, the old guard, they just a couple times just get hosed and killed and they just get back up, you know? I mean, to be fair, yeah. it's, it's reductive. It's, I like the old guard a lot and that's not quite the thing. But point being is they do a good job. Like you're saying, they show that Revy is smart and talented not just better than everyone they also kind of show that she's a she's at least a, a tad bit feral yeah I, like i love the shot of her just like her crazy grin while she's mowing people down it's just like yeah you're <laughs> you're something else yeah yeah that was i really enjoyed that and then also rock noticing yeah the smile oh i really enjoyed the line that i'm gonna paraphrase uh, but Revy says this to Rock while they're behind the bar. She goes, you've got to enjoy life or it'll waste away. And it was kind of cool that through giving this advice, we also kind of got to see into Revy's life. Like that was a really good way to let us into kind of her motivation. I mean, especially when you consider what she was about to enjoy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That that gunfight was a lot of fun. Uh, I thought the oh, animation. Also this, the sound on the guns was really good. Yeah. Because I appreciate, look, I don't I don't really care if the guns sound exactly like, okay, what does a 1911 sound like in real life with this sort of compensator? Very loud. Yes. But, like, I don't care about that being accurate. But I do like whenever they take the time to change the sound for different people or different guns, I should say. So you can have, yeah, sort of a, a audio uh, sense of who's shooting. Yeah. Just another layer of immersion, I would su I suppose. Absolutely. Yeah. Also, I want to talk about how we see that Dutch uh, is a six shooter kind of guy and big old honking six shooter. 
Yeah, and to bring us to the Western stuff. I think this might be the first time I've seen someone actually properly fan a hammer in anime. Yeah. Because that's a staple of the of the Western. Yeah. Seeing the hero, like, actually fan the hammer. I'm trying but, to think back to Gungrave, if they did that right or not, but it's been it's been too long. I think it, they might do it in Trigun. I was thinking about that, too, and I'm actually not sure. Like, I don't, who uses a revolver? Yeah, but with Trigun, look, the animation budget for Trigun was not yeah. high, so I'm kind of dubious that they actually show, like, a real fanning of the hammer. The thing just kind of overall about the at least the, the the gunfights you know separating them from vehicular stuff it's not necessarily realistic but it's all grounded and well thought out yeah like okay being like doing flips and shit while taking people out like two different people out with two different guns it, it's not really that's not a real thing but there's there's still enough grounding that it's like okay we're gonna add in some fantastic elements and that's fine it just makes it more fun yeah well it's it's the whole rule of if, cool. well yes it's basically the rule cool it's look if you're going to ask me to go on this journey where you don't want me to think too hard about this then make it fun so that i don't think too hard about this yeah. Also, I do want to talk about the Japanese businessman drinking culture that before <laughs> the shootout happens, how Revy is like almost shocked how well Rock can can hold up with them. And they're drinking straight rum, which is. Uh, yeah, I'm going to agree on that one. But so just wrapping up episode one, we find out the disc has nuclear secrets on it that the company was selling. <laughs> Um, and his bosses are just cutting him loose. They're like, eh, disappear into the sea. Which Wasn't it actually that the company was designing nukes? Yeah, for someone which, else. Which, to me, I don't know, makes it even more kind of interesting and fun. And, you know, how the, the, the company man even, I forget his name, even says, like, like why the heck would they do that? I was just, that was a dumb idea. We really shouldn't have done that one, guys. Whoops. But, uh, well, we're just going to cut you loose. Disappear in the South China Sea, and uh, we're going to act like you're dead. Yeah. We even have some higher-ups go to your funeral. And then in anger, he throws a gun overboard. <laughs> Which then, at the start of episode two, we have Revy being like, do you know how much a gun costs? Just fun, you know? Like, you can you can have your character do something out of a, just like a fit of emotion, but you still gotta call out, like, okay, but, like, don't shouldn't have actually done that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I forget, is it the end of the first episode where the attack copter, attack helicopter is coming after them? Yes. Okay. Like right at, it basically comes right at the end. Yeah. Because the phone call where he finds out about the nuke is also when the man from the company is like, oh, by the way, we're sending people after you. That's it. Yeah. Also, the ending is very jarring, but if I have a guess about where the series is going to go, it's going to be fitting and good. What do you mean by the ending? Sorry, the, the end credits, the, the EP. Okay. Didn't actually watch it. I'm, I'm I mad. mean, it's basically someone walking in the darkness and dropping, like, spent uh, bullet casings and then a magazine. They're kind of stumbling. There's a real vibe of just end of your road death. Well, I, Andrew, I'm going to spoil this one. They actually survive season one. Oh, yeah. There's a whole other season and then some OVAs. Well, yeah, I know that much. But no, it's like, you know, they're doing dangerous stuff. You have to be okay to die, like that kind of stuff. But so on to episode two, where they get strafed by a attack helicopter, and then Rock starts kicking a torpedo in anger. So you really know that that torpedo is there. Yeah. Like, guys, guys, I'm naming this torpedo Chekhov. 
but really. Oh, also, I do want to talk about with the early boardroom stuff in episode two. It really gives me like a Pat Labor vibe, minus the big robots, obviously. But like the, especially like Pat Labor 2, like the real political intrigue type, which was kind of cool. Also, I was unsure. I was unsure. Do the bosses know that he's on that boat and they're trying to get him killed? Or is do they not realize he's on that boat and they're telling him to just disappear? I was not sure. They know they they know he's on the boat. I That's mean, what I assumed, but like uh, it was a little hazy for me. Uh, for me, I thought it was like okay, so they knew they were in contact with. Well, they knew he was kidnapped by the people with the disc, and they knew they were getting in contact with him and the people with the disc. And uh, yeah, so okay. I, I don't know. It was at least clear enough for me. Or like I think the top dude knew, but did like the middle manager talking to Rock know? I guess. Um, I'm not sure. I don't think it was the. I mean, I don't think it was the middle manager who was talking to Rock, wasn't it? Wasn't it the guy who was essentially running the show for the whole get the disc back? I'll be honest. Go? It was hard to tell them apart, so I'm not sure. Okay. One of them had a very dead voice, and all of his lines were basically about how he doesn't enjoy things anymore because they're silly. Oh, the the dude who wanted to check stocks when he got home? Yes. Yes, him. He was the guy who was in charge of making sure that they got the disc back all right, and then there was somebody else with a like higher-pitched voice yeah. who was mostly like, are you sure about this? And he'd be like, yes. I, I actually, the guy who wanted to check wanted to check the stocks when he got home, I really enjoyed his character, in large part because of how much I just despised him. No, same. It's like, it's not even like he's a evil person. Like, they make it pretty clear. He's not out there trying to do harm to people. He's just... He just doesn't care. Yeah, he's he's so soulless to the point which is scarier than someone who is evil yeah it's like there's no person left in him it's just business yeah it was just stocks it's all stocks now also Uh, i do want to talk about how at this point i really like how quick basically what they did is they took a japanese salary man who had to deal with the same realities that he did with his job while he was in japan but now in the south china sea they're the same realities of his job but they've put pressure on all the pain points Mm. and he has to basically rationalize the realities of his work that he was putting up with before when they're like shoved in his face and rubbed in his face and i found that to be super compelling yeah and like that's what i think makes the later stuff involving a boat and a torpedo and a helicopter work really well because he basically yeah. effectively sheds those pain points. Well, and you, you do have like with the 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 businessman who is all business, no person. Like you kind of get to see what they saw him as, though you know, not as a person, but as a cog in the business. Which is how they viewed him before, too. Yeah, it's just well, yeah, starker. And for him, really realizing just how deep it goes. You know, and him, you know, by the end of the episode, deciding to stay on, even when he does actually finally get a chance to go back to Japan. Yeah. Which, I, I don't know, I, I think it's neat. I I really want to talk about that scene, but before we get there, I think it's time to talk about the boat. Uh, let's talk about And the, the helicopter, which another part of the West, like you were saying, it's very much a duel, and Dutch even kind of calls it out as that. Yeah. But I also, I've seen gifts of this. I never knew what it was from. Well, now you do. Was it specifically the the torpedo smashing through the cockpit and onto his face part? Well, like the jump and then the smashing. Spoilers, that's how they do it. They throw the boat off of a ramp and just kind of drop a torpedo on top of a helicopter. Which, in my headcanon, 
I went, well, he works for an engineering for engineering firm, and he talks about how the boat hyd- like hydro was it hydroplanes or hydrofoils? I forget which. I guess it would Ooh, have to well, be hydroplane because a hydrofoil would get broken off whenever you ran it off the other boat. Because a hydrofoil requires being under, like it's like a f- wing under the water. So I guess hydroplaning. But how he, like, because he worked at an engineering place, that in my brain is like why he can put this plan together. And I like that I was able to put together how this dude could figure out something mm-hmm. this dumb but amazing. I mean, it's really cool. I do think it's completely ridiculous because, like, oh yeah, you can't you can't aim that. <laughs> but it was it's a lot of fun. Well, it's it's again, it's it's make me not care about the improbability of being able to do it, and they did. Yeah. Oh, also, I love that you get to see all of his pent up anger at his situation, both prior to being captured and from being captured and a by the torpedo smushing the dude and b you see as the stuff is breaking he's just throwing up a middle finger <laughs> he's starting to have fun he's taking revy's advice to heart when he's i i view that as the moment that the middle finger is where he's strictly broken away from yeah. like decent society so to speak and i yeah. love the fact that they set it up where he actually gets to tell off his boss i and- thought that scene was I don't know if it was intentional or not, but I thought that scene was pretty funny. And oh, it is. It's like mixture of funny and beautiful with the way that they shot some of it. And I love like, the symbolism of him taking off his uniform by taking off his tie, which he hasn't done this whole time. Yeah, as like he's he's rejecting their world. For and- me, what for me, what kind of got me was so he's given you know the sort of impassioned fuck you to we'll just say his boss you know like okay i'm not coming back i'm staying here fuck you and everything you did and the boss is just like okay do what you want to do again there's just no emotion in him he does not care (laughs) yeah and the other dude's like are you sure and he's like yeah whatever and then Uh, i love the shot of rock walking towards the group while they're backlit by the pacific sun and him like walking towards the group it's great and then the way like revy invites him it's just like look i've seen that way you invite someone to a group a million times i will never not be interested whenever that happens yeah it's done well and i think it was solid uh first two episodes like a good introduction do you have anything specific you want to go into before just kind of general well so uh at the end of this episode we need to talk about the exchange between rock and revy whenever they're holding up that boat (laughs) about the hawaiian shirt yes because first of all rock is wearing his salary man uniform again and he basically says it's because he's on the job And we also see that Revy got him an Aloha shirt. And first of all, I love that little touch that Revy definitely likes him because she got him an Aloha shirt. But then she's also mad that he's not wearing it to work, basically. Yeah. Just kind of from the beginning, when Revy took him as a hostage and Dutch immediately calls out, there really wasn't a good reason to take a hostage. It's almost like she had an interest in him from the beginning. Yeah, an interest that she, I don't even think she was, Yeah. Uh, I don't think she was aware of that interest herself. Well, I, I, I do know that something that shouldn't be surprising, but as we get further into it, kind of find out everybody's sort of a misfit and... Weird. You know, and ended up on this crew because of strange circumstances or difficult ones, and... 
so you know like the way he became part of the crew fits in with everybody else but you know it's almost like she kind of went like oh yeah you know this guy could probably be one of us and he's you know part of a hijacking might as well take him and make him part of the crew like i i feel like that was almost the intention to begin with. possibly yeah even if it's not like overt or stated that's just my thought on it i don't know i'm sure we'll get more information i, I don't actually know if they're gonna like flesh out that particular bit more because you don't, don't necessarily need to we, we already have the team established well fine but, then we'll see. you keep your secrets yeah. yeah i will keep my secrets but yeah, yeah so i i hope that it was easier to watch along and have fun with this episode because if it's not more fun then man we really messed up oh no but so a reminder next week we are watching black lagoon episodes three and four only three and four and it's available in the u.s on hulu and so far, it seems fun. You should get in on this. I have a lot of fond memories of the show. I really hope it holds up all the way through. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Let us know what you think of the new format. Let us know what you think of the new show. Let yes. us know just what you're thinking. Just, just yell into the void at us. Mm-hmm. But we will see you next week. Bye-bye.